Dan. Yes, Katie. <laughs> do you shave with a Gillette razor? Um, I, I, I think I might do actually. Product placement. Have you ever heard of the curse of Gillette? No. Okay, so me either until like when I looked up some facts. So the the ambassadors of Gillette are often sports stars. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'll see the adverts, and here in the UK, you'll see sports stars advertising Gillette. So you've got, for example, Thierry Henry, uh-huh. Tiger Woods, and Roger Federer. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the curse of the Gillette razor may actually be affecting some of these sports stars. So, for example, in November 2009, Thierry Henry was accused of cheating during the World Cup finals. Ah. The same year, uh, Tiger Woods' golf career lost serious momentum when he injured his knee, and then he later got very bad press for losing his temper. And uh, on top of that, this was the public divorce that he was going through as well in the yes. media frenzy, same year. Yeah, yeah. And then in 2009, same year, the undefeated Roger Federer was knocked out of the top spot by an underdog. Ah. So those are just three, but there's also other ones. For example, the former face of Gillette, um, the amazing David Beckham, <laughs> seemingly suffered the effects of the curse for several years. Even after the agreement was ended, uh, Beckham's fitting as a fan favourite slipped so far that he was actually booed at a game in 2009. Wow. So that could be a curse, or it could just be that most sports stars are twats. And Tiger Woods especially is a bit of a twat. Yeah, yeah, he so, definitely, yeah. But still, it could be a it could curse. Be. It could be supernatural. It could very much be a curse. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Yeah, not bad. I um, I had um, a band practice yesterday, which is nice. A little a jam with some people. Nice. It was really good. Yay. Enjoyable. Getting back on the music train. How about you? Um, I'm fine, yeah. I... What have I done with my life? I... I saw The Souvenir Part 2, which if you've seen the first one, I highly recommend Part 2. I liked it even more than the first one, and I love the first one. So, mm. you are in for a treat if you are into indie cinema. <laughs> I have not seen The Souvenir 1. I don't know what it's about. Is it about a souvenir? Um, it's about, it's named after a painting called The Souvenir, uh, but it's okay. actually about a, um, Joanna Hogg, the writer-director, it's about her time at film school, um, uh. where she attended with Tilda Swinton, who was in the movie, and Tilda Swinton's daughter, Honor Swinton, uh, plays the main character. I love Tilda Swinton. Yeah, she's amazing, she's and so is her daughter. Awesome. So, uh, do they look it's not really, uh, they do look similar, yeah. Because she has got an original look. Yeah, she, it's, she's got that kind of long face yeah <laughs> sounds sounds <laughs> not nice but it is nice it is nice yeah but like um also amazing actress so is, yeah. i know this isn't the recommendation section but there you no, go i, I didn't haven't done anything it. else with my life so <laughs> <laughs> um do you want to tell us about your curse yes not your okay, curse, then... not like the curse of death no no, no. <laughs> i'm not cursed and i am not putting curses on other people stroke things but Okay, then. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm just going to uh, go into it and we'll see All right. how, how long it takes you to realise what I'm talking about. Okay, okay cool. so on the 31st of January, 1880, HMS Atlanta set sail from the Royal Naval Dockyard in Bermuda for Falmouth in the UK. <laughs> is it the Bermuda Triangle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't take that long. No, not at uh, all. I'm, 
That's so exciting. <laughs> so she was a sixth-rate ship of the line that had first been launched in 1844 and was at the time serving as a trainer ship. So she would have measured between 450 and 550 tons uh, with around 28 guns and a crew of between 150 and 240. So by no means the largest ship on the high seas, but not small either. Hmm. She would never be heard from again. Oh, no. <laughs> so the Channel Squadron under Admiral Hood made an exhaustive <laughs> search over a wide area but found nothing. And as such, in May, the Admiralty was compelled to conclude that the Atlanta was lost. Um, what was most peculiar that, uh, was that the Atlanta belonged to a class of frigates that were the broadest in proportion to their length ever built for the Navy. So these ships had survived in the high seas through all kinds of extreme weather. A terrific gale had raged from the 12th to the 16th of February, and it was assumed that the vessel was overwhelmed by this, as likely, unlikely as it seemed. Um, what we do know is that the Atlanta had passed through an area we now refer to as the Bermuda Triangle. So, so where's, where are the points of the triangle? Oh, we're going to get to that, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. Uh, so, so basically the Atlanta was one of the first recorded victims of the uh, so-called Bermuda Triangle. So, so where, so where <laughs> is the Bermuda Triangle? Well, the clue is in the name. Uh, it's also known as the Devil's Triangle, and it's a loosely defined region that covers an area between three points that runs from Bermuda in the north to Puerto Rico in the south and Florida in the west. Um, the exact boundaries of the Bermuda Triangle are not universally agreed upon, and it's said to cover between 500,000 and one and a half million square miles. Wow, so it's like... You couldn't literally draw a triangle on a map because yeah. no one has agreed. So it's yeah. like if you were looking at a world map from the UK's point of view, it'd be like an upside down triangle. Um, it's kind of like. Or it's not really like an equilateral. It's more like on a square. Yeah, wave. it's kind of like it's kind of like a sideways triangle. Like it's longer from uh, Bermuda to like Florida, I think. I, I isosceles triangle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but but by all approximations. The region has a vaguely triangular shape, basically. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> um, interestingly, although ships have been vanishing in the area since the mid-19th century, the area did not get the name the Bermuda Triangle until the 1960s, when Vincent Gaddis coined the term in a cover story for Argosy magazine. Like, Argos the shop, but just with an Y at the end. Don't oh. I don't know, I don't know if our US listeners will know what Argos is, no. but it kind of, it's kind of like Target, but you don't actually go into a shop. You just like order stuff from a catalogue. Yeah, there's just like a stockroom of dreams that you yeah. never get to see and <laughs> stuff just emerge from it with your your chosen yeah. prize. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, I wrote in the, uh, the magazine about the disappearance of Flight 19, which we'll get onto later, which is quite an interesting one. Um so the exact number of ships and airplanes that have disappeared in the Bermuda Triangle is not known, but the most common estimate is about 50 ships, uh, 20 airplanes. Uh, what's strange is the wreckage of most of the ships and airplanes reported missing in the region have never been recovered. So Wait, so 70 vessels 70 approximately kind of yeah. have never been recovered? Never been recovered. Wow, that's quite a lot. It is quite a lot. <laughs> the thing is, like, looking at statistics, like, there's not actually... Statistically, the kind of the number of sh like uh, ships disappearing and planes like going down in the region isn't actually that much more than like other regions. However, it is weird that they just vanish, and there's also just other things that happen that are just odd, like and are very difficult to explain. Um, mm. That's what I'm going to. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, like for instance, there have there've been incidents of ships discovered completely abandoned for no apparent reason, just ghost ships. Last signs of life completely undisturbed, like a snapshot. Playing cards still on the table, half-finished meals, personal effects unatu- untouched. In other cases, tra- uh, those bit like chips have disappeared after transmitting no distress signals whatsoever, which has never been heard from again. Um, but, 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 but on top of this, when aircraft have vanished in the area, rescue missions are said to have vanished when flying, flying to like basically rescue them. Uh, like yeah, don't, been, like, lured don't into and, a trap. <laughs> yeah, don't go and rescue something that's like. Oh, it's just silly. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I'm just going to go through like some examples where okay. this happened, like a list, and then we'll look at um, possible reasons as to why this happened. Definitely. Um, so yeah, <laughs> without a doubt. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so these are the, some of the weirdest ones. So in 1881, the Ellen Austin set sail from Liverpool, destined for New York. Several weeks into the journey, the captain decided to take an unplanned shortcut through the Saragossa Sea. This that is not a shortcut, is it? Um, I don't know. I can't really work it out. <laughs> I don't know what kind of like, um, what's the word? I don't know any old school terms. Which direction they were going? They were going like west, obviously, but I don't know what route they were taking. Anyway, okay. yeah. So this route led the Ellen Austin through the Bermuda Triangle. While sail- sailing through the area, Captain Griffin of the Ellen Austin spotted another vessel sailing erratically in the distance. Convinced that it was some form of trap, Griffin decided to follow the ship at a safe distance for two days before ordering a crew to go aboard and investigate why the ship wasn't responding to their hails. What the crew fi- found remains unexplainable. When the crew boarded the ship, they found not one single soul on board, yet there was no sign of any violence that might have taken place. Everything else was in order, personal belongings remained on board, as did food rations. All that seemed to be missing was the captain's logbook and nameplate. The ship's cargo of mahogany was also still on board, untouched. Griffin ordered... Sorry? I was going to say, that is weird. Mm. Because you would think if it was like pirates or something, they would have taken anything valuable. Exactly. And also food, probably. Yeah, totally. But it gets weirder. Um, (laughs) So Griffin... Hang on. So Griffin ordered the salvage crew to stay on the unnamed ships that could be sailed to New York. However, after two days, the two ships were separated by a storm. When the storm, when the storm subsided, the ship was nowhere to be seen. Several days passed before Griffin sighted the ship once more, and once more, it was sailing erratically. Griffin ordered a new salvage crew to board the ship, and once again, it was found completely abandoned. The men Griffin had sent to crew the ship the first time had gone. Just vanished. That is, that is very... And there wasn't any, like, blood or... No, nothing. Oh, so the same... So very odd. Two shi- two crews disappeared from the same ship. Hmm. Whether too scared to lose yet more crew or press for time and resources, Captain Griffin opted to leave the ship adrift and continue to New York. The ship and its makeshift crew were never sighted again. So, essentially, like, a whole ship of people, which probably was crew and passengers. Yeah. And then another crew. Yeah. Which has been swallowed by this ghost ship. Weird. Very strange, right? You know that or Griffiths is like making this up. Well apparently like the second part of the tale might be just kinda of, might have been like added on as the story evolved over the like decades. Yeah. That's but, um, but the first part apparently, uh, but, but by all rights seems to be accurate. Hmm. Very interesting. <laughs> So, next, let's look at the USS Cyclops. Uh, so, the USS Cyclops was the 
Second of four Proteus class colliers built for the United States Navy several years before World War One. So it weighed uh, nineteen thousand long tons. Was five hundred and forty-two feet long with a beam sixty-four, sixty-five foot. It's quite a big ship. The sort of ship that you would think would last in a storm. Um, on the sixteenth of February, nineteen eighteen, the Cyclops set sail from Rio de Janeiro carrying a full cargo of manganese ore. With no scheduled stops along her route, she was due to arrive in port on the thirteenth of March. However, the ship never arrived. Uh, well, let's add some caveats. The ship was thought to be overloaded when she left Brazil, carrying more than her max capacity. Also, before leaving port, Commander Worley, the captain, had submitted a report that the starboard engine had a cracked cylinder and was not operative. So, I mean, like, it could just be because the ship was a bit defective. Um, reports indicate that on the 10th of March, the day after the Cyclops was rumoured to have been sighted by another ship, the Imolco, a violent storm swept through the Virginia Capes area, which is where it was uh, sailing. While some suggest that the combination of the overloaded conditions, engine trouble, and bad weather may have conspired to sink the Kai Cyclops, an extensive naval investigation concluded many theories have been advanced, but none that satisfactorily <laughs> accounts for her disappearance. The last transmission, this is weird, received from the ship reported, weather fair, all well. No wreckage has ever been found. To this day, the disappearance of the USS Cyclops and a crew of 305 remains the largest recorded loss of life in US naval history. So, again, just a disappearance. Just a disappearance. But, like, no no wreckage whatsoever. Just no, nothing. Poof, gone. So, um, this is a side note. Mm-hmm. But my grandparents on my dad's side yeah. met on the HMS Cyclops. Really? Interesting. Yeah. In the war, in the Second World War. But, but they weren't swallowed by the me trying. So that's no, they were not. <laughs> Otherwise, I would not be here. <laughs> Let's look at the witchcraft. See, this one isn't very weird, but I, I found it. I just added it in. I mean, like... I mean, like, it is because it's disappearance, but at the same time, I don't... This is look at it anyway. So next. Yeah. So the witchcraft was a 23-foot luxury cruiser that disappeared on the evening of the 22nd December... 1967 the boat's owner had invited his close friend uh, out onto the ocean to look at the christmas lights over the waters of miami the plan had begun at the plan had been to go a short distance out to sea switch the engine off and enjoy the scenery rich people eh? rich people um (laughs) at 9 p.m that night miami coast guards received a distress call that calmly informed them the boat had hit something unknown in the water and would require a tow from less than a mile offshore. This seems like... I'm going to just bring it back to the Inbetweeners. seems like that episode of the Inbetweeners where they get stuck just, like, seconds away from, like, the shore in Norfolk and they send up a flare. That's basically <laughs> what happened. The only indicator this wasn't an emergency and that he would fire a flare to let the Coast Guards know the, the boat's exact location. Less than 20 minutes later, the Coast Guards reached the point where they believed that the call had been made, but there was no sign of the witchcraft or the flares Either witchcraft or her two passengers were ever seen again. I mean, considering this was so close to the coast, you would have thought the boat would have washed up, or they would have been able to find yeah, something. Yeah, for sure. But nothing. Never found. So, how many people were on? Do you know? Just two. So it was just oh, two people. Oh, right. Okay. Sorry, I missed that bit. So that's very odd, and especially if it's like a luxury cruise line, you'd think it'd be quite big. Yeah. Hmm. So another just complete disappearance. Poof. Right. So this one. So this one's this one is weird because of some of the like the uh, like the radio messages sent back during 
during the flight. So, yeah, so like so the disappearance of Flight 19 is probably the most notorious of the Bermuda yeah. Triangle's disappearances. I know this one. <laughs> it is weird. So, Flight 19 was a training flight of five TBM Avenger torpedo bombers, which took off from Fort Lauderdale on the 5th of December 1945. The pilots had expected a nice, easy three hour bombing journey, just as uneventful as the runs they had done countless times before, but it was not to be. Shortly after dropping their payload of replica bombs, the patrol began to run into trouble. Lieutenant Charles C. Taylor, who was an experienced pilot, believed that his compass had started to malfunction. Ooh, wonder why. In his mind, Flight 19 had been flying in the wrong direction. Protocol stated that when a pilot believes they are lost, they should point their plane towards the setting sun. It's believed the Tyler went against protocol. Believing the flight was somewhere over the Florida Keys, Taylor adjusted the heading in an attempt to navigate the Gulf of Mexico. Some of Taylor's men were able to convince him to turn tail and head back westward. However, for unknown reasons, he once again turned the flight back around, still concerned that they were somewhere over the Gulf. As the flight flew further away from land, their transmissions became fainter and fainter. Having flown for more than their allotted time, the crew were started to get it were starting to get concerned that they wouldn't be able to correct their navigation before they ran out of fuel. In his final transmission, Taylor told his men that once the first plane dropped below 10 litres of fuel, they would all ditch together for a greater chance of rescue. After this, (laughs) Taylor made a radio call saying, we are entering white water, nothing seems right, we don't know where we are, the water is green. So, that seems a bit strange. Strange, but like, surely it, it could be like a whole bunch of seaweed or something. I don't know. I guess so, but either, like, I think he thought like just like everything, the surroundings just seemed off and strange. Okay. Um, ba, 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 ba. A few short minutes later, the transmissions ended. The Navy bigwigs believed that they had a pretty good idea of the flight ditched, so two marina flying boats were scrambled to search. But like Anna was being lured into a trap, 20 minutes after taking off, one of the marinas disappeared off the radar. The 13 crewmen of the marina, nor the five pilots of Flight 19, nor the wreckages of any of the aircraft were ever recovered. The fate of Flight 19 and PBM Marina has left even the greatest minds reaching for answers. That is... It is odd, isn't it? That's so many disappeared. But I reckon... Well, come to explanations with me. So next, we have the Great Isaac Lighthouse, which is a strange one because it's not actually out at sea, but it's kind of like if it falls into like the vague area. <laughs> the vague um, triangle. Yeah. So Great Isaac's Rock is a Ballerin island containing over only one thing, a lighthouse, which has housed the island's only two occupants. On the 4th of August, 1969, after numerous routine calls had gone unanswered, a small boat was sent to check on the lighthouse's keepers. However, the lighthouse was found completely deserted. There was no sign of its two guardians. A hurricane had passed over the island shortly before, but the lack of damage to the living quarters raised the question as to why the two experienced lighthouse keepers wouldn't have stayed put where they were were safest. There was some conjecture that the pair were caught in a drug smuggling ring, or perhaps they were both kidnapped, but there was no evidence of foul play to suggest that. Uh, The reaper keepers have never been found, and so their fate remains a mystery. Oh, if it was a hurricane, surely they were, like, outside and they got caught in it. Maybe, but I mean, like, there's quite a lot of warning when a hurricane comes on. Yeah, I suppose it's not just like, just oh, a hurricane. They're like, oh my god, where did this hurricane come from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, the, to me, that's the 
you know, if a storm would be there before, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. like, oh, we've got to bring this ship in or something. I don't know. Yeah. What does the lighthouse do? <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, it's a war ship. But I mean, like, I guess you just have to turn on the light, don't you, from inside? Oh, yes. That easy. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen anyway. the film The Lighthouse with um, Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe? No, I really want you to. You should. Though. It's really so, good. And yeah, I, I would strongly suggest it for pretty much everyone. It is a little bit creepy, but it's not like gore horror. So even yeah. those who don't like horror, you know, they can it's, probably stomach it. <laughs> is it kind of like a, a bit about Cabin Fever-esque? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Kind of a creepy, um, kind of like, is this in their heads or is it not yeah. in their heads? Yeah. The Simpsons episode of, about Cabin Fever is brilliant. But the Simpsons like, episodes about everything are just brilliant. <laughs> Early Simpsons. Genius. Uh, okay, let's now look at the 1948 airborne transport DC-3 disappearance. So on the night of the 28th of December 1948, a Douglas DST airliner registered NC-16002 departed from San Juan, Puerto Rico bound for Miami, Florida, carrying 29 passengers and three crew. The flight lifted off at 10.03. However, because the radio's batteries were low, the flight circled the city for 11 minutes to charge them. Captain Lindquist, piloting the flight, then told the tower that they were proceeding to Miami on the agreed-upon flight plan. The weather was reportedly fine with high visibility. At 11.23, the Overseas Foreign Air Route Traffic Control Center at Miami had a routine transmission from the flight, wherein Lindquist reported that they were, they were at 8 300 feet and had an ETA of 4.03 in the morning. His message placed the flight about 700 miles from Miami. The transmissions were heard sporadically throughout the night by Miami but all were routine. At 4.13, Linkfist reported he was 50 miles south of Miami. The transmission was not heard at Miami but monitored at New Orleans, Louisiana some 600 miles away and relayed to Miami. So, why was that? So he believed, weird. He, was, he believed he was 500 miles uh, from Miami, but he was clearly somewhere near Louisiana. That was the last anyone heard of the flight. Nothing further was heard from Lingvist, and the aircraft has never been found. That is very odd. I, I, that is bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, that one feels to me like a more like pilot gone rogue. Or like yeah. a hijacking or something, but if nothing was That's, ever yeah. found, if you're gonna hijack it, you're, you're gonna make demands. Yeah, very I mean, strange. Like, and if you're kind of like new near Louisiana, I mean, where is that place? I'm trying to place it because it is kind of still near the sea. I mean, like, I suppose it could be just the um, navigation equipment going wrong. But I mean, but that's one of the weird things about like the Blue Bermuda Triangle. It seems that navigation mm. equipment frequently just screws up uh but anyway that's kind of covered by some of the explanations actually we're on to the explanations now so let's have a look so while many believe that geophysical and environmental factors are most likely responsible for these disappearance i mean like we live in the science age people don't like supernatural stuff it uh, that's that's fair um but you know this is curses month so we're gonna look mainly at the supernaturals here uh so let's leave the party poopers and their science and get to grips with some of the more fanciful paranormal explanations. So number one, a time vortex. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> some believe that the fabric of time is so thin at the Bermuda Triangle that travellers can slip through it and emerge on the other side um, of a completely different time. So time travel, basically. So time travel, basically, yeah. So there's like a little wormhole or something. So this so, is... Go on. 
So this theory was first put forward in 1970 by a pilot from Florida, Bruce Gernon Jr., uh, his father and friend Chuck uh, Lafayette. Uh, so during a, a flight towards um, Bimini Island in the Bahamas, they noticed a strange uh, elliptical cloud, uh, which he later called an electronic fog, hovering only about 500 feet above the ocean. Here is an excerpt of his story. Upon entering the cloud, we witnessed an uncanny spectacle. It became dark and black without rain, and visibility was about four or five miles. There were no lightning bolts, only an extraordinarily bright white light flashing that would illuminate the entire surrounding area. The deeper we penetrated, the more intense the flashes became. So we made a uh, 135 degrees turn to the left and headed due south out of the cloud. The remarkable thing is that we did not come out of the storm 90 miles away from Miami as we should have. We travelled through 100 miles of space and, and 30 minutes of time in no more than three minutes. That's what he believes. Okay. So like 30 That's what he minutes, believes. <laughs> 30 minutes on the counter for and uh, just completely the wrong place. But I mean, like, they were in a storm, so that could be that could be why. <laughs> But I mean, like that, the missing time is difficult, I suppose. But um, but I mean, like being in a different place, you could just be lost. Others believe that rather than a time vortex, a Bermuda Triangle is home to a vortex that sucks unlucky victims into a parallel universe. So you could just like end up in a place where the Nazis won the war or something. That would be pretty scary. Like um. Well, there's lots of versions of that, but, you know, yeah. like uh, Fatherland or... Yeah, yeah. Um, what's the... <laughs> what's the big one? That would, that would suck if you were there, like, the Flight 19 pilots. And, like, oh uh, the gosh, allies, yeah. allies were winning the war and then you just sucked into a vortex and you're like, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> you're like, we was going somewhere. <laughs> so, next we have Aliens. So our lovely UFO enthusiasts believe that the triangle is a stargate extraterrestrials use for intergalactic travel. So many would like to believe that Flight 19 may have been swept up into this UFO portal because of that last um, transmission that we've already covered. Um, I mean, like, the weather that day was supposedly clear. The flight was supervised by an experienced pilot. So people think for that reason things went wrong. Also, it said that the Navy Board of Inquiry that looked into the into the uh, the disappearance stated that the planes flew off to Mars. <laughs> Bye. But I mean, like, that could just be them being like, oh, we just don't know where they went. So it was just like, so, yeah, like, like a figure Mars? of speech. Um, or maybe they know something and they're trying to keep it under wraps. Who knows? <laughs> next some believe the material uh Bermuda triangle is a gateway to hell yeah that's the or to put it, the, or to put the it most in, cursy one isn't yeah, it yeah all right to put it into uh warhammer terminology like a chaos realm gate hence the <laughs> name devil's triangle so rather than a vortex of our universe it's a gateway to the bad afterlife nasty i mean like, that's like proper event horizon shit yeah i mean I don't believe in the afterlife, so that one yeah. for me is is a bit like crazy. However, I you want to prove me wrong? I would love to be proved wrong if anyone has any evidence. But not, but not by going to straight to hell, right? <laughs> no, I'd rather not be sucked into yeah. hell. Yeah, um, that seem but if that's the fun. only way, you know, I'm, as long as I can come back, come back. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It feels like it's a one way ticket sort of destination, isn't it? 
There's no round tickets to hell. Round tickets to hell. <laughs> Next is the lost city of Atlantis. I mean, I don't know why Atlantis is shooting down planes, but anyway, so this is one of the weirder theories. So some believe that the mythical lost continent of Atlantis lays deep beneath the Bermuda Triangle. So it's all based around some weird like rock formations on the ocean floor known as the Bimini Road. Uh, though researchers think the stones are just like natural occurring. There are some like weird stones under there, but it's just like, mm, I think it's just like a natural sea-based rock formation. <laughs> Anyway, so the legend says that the city of Atlantis heavily depended on special high-powered energy crystals which radiate death rays that cause the navigational instruments on passing ships and aeroplanes to malfunction. Either that or they just get completely destroyed by the sheer energy of the things. I mean, like, buying that one? Um. <laughs> <laughs> energy uh, crystals, maybe. If you could see my face, everyone <laughs> would tell I'm not buying any of that. Uh, so, of course, there are countless scientific explanations too so magnets so, right magnets well such as the gulf stream runs through the area oh yeah so it, in similar. essence it is a river within an ocean and yeah. like a river it can and does carry floating objects so i'll explain why wrecks disappear they're just like carried off into yeah the north basically never to be seen again the north <laughs> <laughs> uh, another popular theory is that the missing vessels were failed by so-called rogue waves which are massive waves that can uh, massive waves that can reach heights of up to 100 feet um and would theoretically be powerful enough to destroy all evidence of a ship or airplane um so basically, this is because the tri- uh, Bermuda Triangle is located in an area of the atlantic ocean where the storms from multiple directions can converge making rogue waves more likely to occur yeah super big waves uh, another explanation i like this one is methane hydrates uh on continental shelves so to me hypothesize that periodic methane eruptions sometimes co- sometimes called mud volcanoes may produce regions of frothy water that are no longer capable uh, of providing adequate buoyancy for ships so if this were the case uh, such an area of uh, forming around a ship could just cause it to sink just instantly without without warning, which is why there would be no distress calls. It would just drop, like, into the ocean. That that seems plausible. I don't know. Yeah. I'm a scientist. I know, yeah. That is, like, a thing. But, I'm I mean... like, if that's a thing, that sounds <laughs> right. I don't um, know. Scientists out there, let us know. Is that a thing? <laughs> there's also a theory that says compasses have a natural magnetic variation in relation to the magnetic poles. I mean, like, I tried to read about it, but I don't have a science mind and I just didn't understand anything. <laughs> this is why I said magnets and yeah, then yeah. stopped, because I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, it's just variation, so th- which would explain it. I mean, cool. <laughs> I- I'm sure the scientists <laughs> who have put forward this theory know what they're talking about. But I, I wonder don't. if like people could... Have people tried to... like? tests things like have they or were they just no we're not going anywhere near that yeah i think these are just all kind (laughs) of like hypotheses from afar (laughs) so i mean like it could be any one of these i reckon it is either um time vortex or a chaos realm gate (laughs) (laughs) one of the two and i'm going with either magnets or big waves (laughs) (laughs) i think it's probably a I'm wa- I'm wondering if it's like like you said with the waves, a combination of like all these different yeah you know storms from different directions plus yeah. the Gulf Stream, and it's just like there's got to be one place in the ocean in the world where things ain't good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and also I mean like it's not as if this is like the roughest area 
I mean, there's other like seas, like um, popular kind of like um, sea routes where like more more ships have disappeared, more planes have gone down. Yeah. But I guess it's just a case that those wreckages are normally found. It's just this one, yeah, where they just they just seem to vanish. But I mean, yeah, the Gulf Stream would be a good explanation for that. Would um, it's pretty powerful. You ever, if you were going somewhere and the fastest and cheapest way was to fly over the Bermuda Triangle, would you do it or would nope. you? <laughs> nope. No, definitely not. Nope. <laughs> but I mean, like, uh, loads of ships do go through it. Like, it's just a normal sea route. Like, it's like, people don't avoid it. It's just they just try to sail right through it, and a lot of ships just survive and are fine. Yeah. I mean, like the uh, like the Ellen Austin was was fine. It just it followed that other boat. See, that is the weird one though. Like, that's that's hard to explain. Just ghost ship. Probably but, not the only yeah, one. Ghost ships are creepy. Either. They yeah. creep me out because it's like, where have these people gone? And if there was some sort of pirate siege or everything yeah. things would be messy yeah. like there would be blood there would be looting yeah and then if it what everybody like did like a mass jump off the yeah. inside like does is that, that make any sense was there like a mutiny and it went wrong but even if there was like i then, feel like it'd be messier yeah and also that like people would there would still be people in the ship who would have taken the ship so tell us your explanations be in a triangle gateway to hell or scientific explanation us up on Instagram. It'd be nice to have some comments out on people trying to sell us marketing services. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want your marketing services. We are too poor. And we, we don't care that poor. much. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you while you're on Instagram and Twitter, um, hitting us up about your explanations for the Bermuda Triangle, you can follow us and that's at Have You Ever Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Give us a couple of like what are they called? Likes? Likes hearts? Yeah, you know? hearty things. And we will heart you back. And uh, do it on Instagram, though, because Twitter is a, is a cess, cesspool of <laughs> ideas. It is. It's just a cesspool. Basically, that is like the gateway to hell. That's yeah. where it really is. It's this Twitter. Is, I feel like I'm so much happier without Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to avoid it. Unfortunately, I've now lost the logins for the, our Twitter because I deleted Twitter. And then I reinstalled it again. I, I can send you them. I have a history. I have a history like a uh, Twitter account as well, which I do quite like because it's just people posting pictures of World War Two, and I'm like, this is nice. But normal Twitter can fuck off. <laughs> In uh, the great words of uh, Daniel. <laughs> Speaking uh, of um, fucking off Twitter, my other recommendation <laughs> is a book that's called Stolen Focus, and yeah. it's about why you can't pay attention. And why oh. our attention has been stolen, basically. And it's by a man named Jörn Harry. And it's really great. I'm on chapter three. And um, I love it. It's it's all about... It's all, yeah. it's all um, uh, Apple's fault, right? Screen time, baby. Destroying everything. Well, not just that, really. To be honest, it's, it started before that. Oh, really? But also mainly that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my recommendation would be a book that I haven't actually started reading yet, but I've heard good things and I've got it all ready, all geared up for reading, which is uh, Monty's Men, um, which kind of uh, looks uh, kind of like a critique of the the widely accepted narrative about Monty's commanding abilities and the British Army's performance during the Battle of Normandy and in in Europe. Nice. I make mean, all the all the. Uh, Max Hastings and the Anthony Beavers doing him down. Yeah, it's kind of like an answer to that. Should be interesting. Lovely. Okay. 
uh, or, or follow us wherever you're listening and tell your friends and uh, tell your yeah. mom and your and... dad and your brother oh and give us a review five yes. stars if you are so inclined and write us a little like um, and that would be really appreciated and um, we'll see you next time see you next time bye, bye. <laughs>